Hi. Hello, my uh, loves. <laughs> oh, so yeah, I'm just, coming. This just feels like a a regular, you know, girls' night. It girls does. At this point. Exactly. It's our, it started like a girls' night. It's continuing like a girls' night. Uh-huh. It's just happening. It feels a, a lot more night. chic than a girls' night with all of the microphones and the screen. I'm gonna take a photo. <laughs> <laughs> This is the Bye most professional up. girls' night. Ooh, we're so professional. Look at our our, our lovely microphones. Mmm. Yes. Mm. So professional and fancy. Fancy professional yes. microphones. Pinkies out, ladies. Pinkies out. Pinkies out. <laughs> Hi, I'm Kayla Mason, and I'm Megan Smith. And this is Human Design in Real Time. I'm the founder and CEO of KaylaCare. And as an intuitive human design coach, I use human design to help you get to the root of what's holding you back from living the life you actually want to be living. Human design is a map of your energetic DNA that uses a combination of ancient systems and modern science to help you understand how your energy shows up in the world. On this podcast, we'll be talking with people from all walks of life about how their human design affects their lives and the lives of those around them. Getting your own human design chart is easy. All you need is your exact birth time, and you can go to freehumandesignchart.com to download your own copy. So let's get started. Oh my goodness. So today is the first podcast that we have a guest and I am very excited to introduce one of our very, very, very best friends, Erica Villani. Say hi, Erica. Uh, Erica Villani is a a personal trainer and health coach and fitness guru and Instagram influencer and just all around amazing, amazing human. She does it all. She is the ultimate go-getter. Erica, tell us a little about yourself. A little more. Hi. Um, so I like to call myself a strength and nutrition coach. Um, so that's like my title. And I love spiritual um, tools as well with my clients to help guide them for behavior change so that they can do all of the strength and nutrition protocols in order to help them reach their goals, whatever they may be. And so I have actually had a really great time talking with Kayla about this stuff and incorporating some of human design as well in, in with my behavior change coaching. So I'm excited to talk in like a little more deeper terms about all of this. Yeah. Amazing. Um, Yeah, I definitely want to preface this by saying that the three of us have been friends for uh, almost two decades at this point. Um, And we're, this is... Two decades, really? Is it two decades? Has it been really two decades? I don't know. Maybe it's 15. It's like 15 years. It's been a while. It's like 15 years. Is it like 15 years? It's been a long time. It's been a long time. Um, And we've grown together. And when we first started out, we were not running businesses. So we've literally like we have all grown together as individuals through the growth mindset that we like uh, foster with the three of us and in our little group. Um, And I can definitely say that I would not have started my business if it hadn't been for Erica being an example for me. Um, So I'm constantly grateful that she kind of was this amazing expander for me in my business. Um, And as we've grown, as I've started my business and we've begun to grow, we talk about mindset stuff a lot and like it's kind of changed both of our businesses being able to really ground into what mindset is how this actually affects people what kinds of things we can actually use to pinpoint and we will often bounce things off each other as well so this is a this is this conversation is one that has probably happened a thousand times before and i'm excited for you all to be involved (laughs) (laughs) so kayla Kayla, what are we going to be focusing on today? Um, Yeah, so today we're actually going to be talking about self-care. 
um, which as a fitness a strength and uh, fitness coach, is that what you strength and nutrition? What was it? Yeah, you can call me a fitness coach too. That's fine. Yeah? I didn't okay. mean to say you could only call me one thing. I just no, meant to make it more concise. I, for I think that the things that we use to uh, to discuss ourselves can often be big points of pride. So I just want to make sure that, you know, as we're talking about self-care here, we're talking about the relationship that you have with yourself. And oftentimes when we decide that we want to be known as something, it's important for uh, for the people around us to kind of support us in that. So I just want to make sure I'm saying the right thing. Um, but yeah, fitness is a very big part of self-care. Um, and I think that both Erica and I and our businesses deal with people learning how to take care of themselves in different ways. Um, so the most important thing that's at the core of what I do is self-love and the concept that when you learn to totally accept yourself, who you are, and the way that you show up in the world, that is when you can begin to become the person you were born to be. So it's that self-acceptance and that self-love. So this concept of self-care is the absolute core of that. And I think that when we're talking about fitness, that brings us right to the middle of the self-care conversation. Totally. Agreed. So fun little anecdote for you guys, which I know you've you've already heard. But uh, about three weeks ago, I was on vacation and my 67 year old mother kicked my ass in a workout doing like 20 different burpees. And I was like trying to struggle my way through set number one. And I was like, oh, I need to get back to the gym. I'm losing it. <laughs> uh, and I know that you guys have been so freaking encouraging when it comes to, you know, me saying I have to help myself in some way. Well, I remember my reaction to that was like, okay, but also maybe your mother is fit in that way, which is more endurance than strength. And we had a whole conversation about like learning to understand how to compare yourself to only yourself and understand how comparing yourself to others can often be comparing oranges to apples based on the strengths and weaknesses you're actually looking at. And those are two different things. You know, being able to do burpees is not a measurement of how fit you are. You know, like a lot of people think that being able to make it through whatever workout is what being fit is and it's not, you know? So like, I just think that's like a really fun perspective shift to focus on. So, which I think kind of, goes into yeah. we'll probably talk about today, learning how to get stronger perspective on the reactions that you have within your own opinions of yourself and your fitness journey, your own judgments, the things that labels you put on yourself uh, that you may not even realize you're putting on yourself, things like that. So. Right. And finding what works best for you, right? Yeah. And like working through all of that, which is is so important. Like, no, cardio is not my forte. I do not like cardio. I'd much rather do something else. I'd much rather strength train or do yoga. Um, and learning that over the last couple of weeks where I have been going to the gym more and have been working out more and, and doing a lot more strength training, I'm feeling way more comfortable doing that than I ever did, you know, going through this insane Tabata regimen that my mom was doing. Um, so Kayla, where can we find the drive to work out and take care of ourselves and find the things that work best for us? Um, yeah. So I think this is such an individual thing. It's different for everybody. And so when we're talking about the idea of uh, comparing yourself to other people, that's kind of one of the cores of what happens with all of the self-sabotage. The things that are holding you back are often you comparing yourself to others. Um, so when we look, this is actually something I've been talking about a lot recently, that in human design, in our human design charts, we have defined centers and we have undefined centers. And we talked about this in the last couple of episodes, but defined centers are places where you create energy, whereas undefined are places where you absorb energy. So in these spaces, the defined centers are places where you may often find yourself feeling shame about who you are. And so this is that place where you feel like I'm not good enough because I am a yoga person. 
because I don't do things the way that somebody else does. I do them this way. Whereas your undefined centers are the places where you feel shame for not being someone else. So it's those are the places where it's, I wish I could do what that person does. So and feeling inadequate because you were unable to do the burpees that your mother could do. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The only center that we haven't talked about on the podcast yet is the heart, will, ego center. So if you are looking at a human design chart and you see there is a little like a small little triangle, um, it's right to the right of that self-center of the diamond in the in the middle. Um, and depending where you get your charts, it might be a little bit different. Um, but this is usually the smallest one. It has the least amount of uh, of gates on it in the lower half of the body. And this is the center that we call either the ego, the will, or the heart center. This is where willpower lives. So it's in this space that we get that sense of being able to will yourself to do something. The heart center is a center that actually only about 30% of the population has defined. So when we're talking about the idea of feeling the ability to will yourself to do something, that whole concept of I'm going to get up and work out every single morning at 7 a.m. and I'm going to make myself get up and do it. That's something that only 30% of the population even has the ability to do. So, And then when you take into account that a person with a defined will center who doesn't actually want to wake up at 7 a.m. every morning and work out, Having that defined will center means that you really need to feel like your heart is in it. So now we're cutting down that population even more because how many people are actually have their heart in this idea of I'm going to shove myself into something every single morning for an hour every day. So in essence, when we are looking at the concept of willpower getting you to get up and do your self-care and do your fitness routine, that is more than likely not the place that you are going to find the the drive to do your self-care. So on this call, we actually have Megan has a defined heart will ego center and (laughs) erica and i both have undefined so we're going to get to see a little bit firsthand what it's like um so quickly i'll mention that having an undefined will center often makes you feel kind of inadequate in that space of willpower so it's the concept of feeling like you're supposed to be able to get yourself up to do things and then feeling guilty about it for me this comes up a lot in like waking up in the morning I'll like get mad at myself for not being able to will myself out of bed when I'm still tired. There's a reason why I'm still in bed (laughs) Um, and I beat myself up. And so a lot of times that like beating yourself up is coming from this undefined will center. So let's begin talking about what it's like having a defined will center in relation to your self-care. Megan... Talk to me. What is it like? How do you feel about this? Well, fortunately, I've been really connecting with this recently and like having, you know, willing myself to go to the gym. Uh, For example, this morning, since I knew we were going to be doing this podcast in the afternoon, I knew I wasn't going to be able to go in the afternoon like I have been. And I said, oh, but I need to get my workout in today. Otherwise, I won't have time later. So I woke up this morning at 6 a.m. and got myself out the door and brought myself to the gym and came home and was exhausted. But I I did it and was like, okay, all right, tomorrow I'm going to go in the afternoon because that's what I would much rather do. (laughs) But it's listening to that and knowing that I can, I I can get myself to do the things that need to get done. uh, But I also don't want to do that too often because then I will burn out. I will burn out fast. Um, So knowing that, okay, I did upper body today and tomorrow I'm going to do lower body and then the next day I'm going to take a break because I will burn myself out otherwise. Yeah. And 
the other thing that is good to know about that heart center is especially those who have defined heart center. The heart center is one of the motor centers, which means that it creates energy in like a let's get up and do it kind of way. And the way that that will center creates energy is almost like a bank. You create energy and you store it up. And then you have a stored amount of energy that you can utilize for something like, I'm going to get myself up out of bed, I'm going to go to the gym, and I'm going to get my workout in. But as you just said, you only have a specific amount of energy in that space. You're not then going to be able to follow that wave of the heart center to be able to get yourself to meditate and to get yourself to do the dishes and to get yourself to make yourself a meal. The willpower is something that you need to to uh, utilize only when it's important to. It's something that you, it's a very powerful thing, but it's not consistent. It's not a sustainable way to create energy. So I think the way that you just described it is exactly the way that that should be used. Since we've been like talking about it more, I have definitely felt that energy a lot more. And I'm curious to hear, um, Erica, how often do you run into people who are like, I have no problem getting to the gym in the morning. That's like what I do or, or, you know, just anybody who's like, easily able to push themselves to get to where they need to go as far as their um, strength and nutrition goes. You know, it's such a crapshoot, honestly. It's so individualized. Like what Kayla said is so real. Like it really depends on the person. So like I'll have like super busy moms who love getting their workouts in. Maybe they struggle to make the time, but they love it so much that they figure it out. It's like something that they've built over time that is just like makes them feel really good when they do it. And and I think there's a lot that goes into someone's relationship with exercise. It's not just your human design either. And that's like a whole other topic for another day. Like (laughs) I had a client today who said she weighed herself like three times a day. And I realized we discovered that a lot of her habits and choices are revolved around trying to control her intake and to control her ability to show she's trying to make herself feel better on a regular basis that's not necessarily in correlation with the results that she's getting but i know this action is supposed to do this so as long as i do it i can feel better about showing up but when we get too caught in that like sometimes i think this might be like addiction to the willpower, like trying to flex that muscle. Like, oh, Mm. I need to, if I just do it, then I'll be successful. But like more is not always better in fitness and self-care either. Like better is better. I made a post about this yesterday. More is not better, (laughs) better is better. So like choosing willpower, choosing to use your willpower for the stuff that is really impactful, like low effort, high impact is where we always want to start with fitness, especially if you don't have all the time in the world and the perfect circumstances, which no one ever does. Like I've never had a client who's just like has all the perfect circumstances. Everyone has obstacles. So like when you're looking at your willpower and maximizing on that, one of the most important things to consider is low impact. I'm sorry, high impact, low effort. That's where we want to start. So there are certain things that I focus on, depending on the client, and we explore what that low effort, high impact, what those things are. And each week we can layer them in. That way you're maximizing on your willpower and you're not overloading and then feeling that shame and guilt within your process, which Mm -hmm. honestly, the truth is shame and guilt is one of the worst things that you can feel in your fitness process and way too many people rely on shame and guilt to drive their fitness process. And I know this is not just fitness. This is life. This is art. This is like, we deal with this as people as BFA students in <laughs> acting programs, being shamed into getting better mm-hmm. or like being uh, shamed into you're not good uh, enough. So you need to work on this. And then like, that's trauma, not progress in a lot for a lot of us. So, I think um, that's a, that's a whole other like we probably do a whole episode. <laughs> honestly, we probably could. Yeah. Um, oh my god. I think that's the main thing I see is people often miss that. And it's like one of the main things I have to 
kind of yeah. real clients in to do that work with them. And once we can do that work, then we can find the willpower sweet spot for them, where whatever their chart is or whatever. Like I don't always, I don't use human design with all of my clients, but I can usually get a feeling for yeah. where they're at within that willpower category, I guess you could say, based on that. I, I Wait, Erica, what was that that you said? What was it? Impact, high impact, low, what was it? High impact, low effort. High impact, low effort. It's so interesting because I feel like that's what human design brings to the table. This is how human design helps people to live more aligned is that high impact, low effort. Because the whole point is that when you are doing things in a way that is easeful and in a way that is aligned for you, it shouldn't be hard. It shouldn't be hard. <laughs> but then you can flip it. You can flip it and say, are you doing high effort, low impact a lot in your life? Is are you spending a lot of time fighting against your mm -hmm. design, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you're doing if you're trying so hard to fit society's expectations, even though that's not how you're designed, then you get stuck feeling burnt out all the time or being tired or being depressed all the time or whatever your symptoms might be from it. You're probably operating in a high effort, low impact yep. way. Yep. So you can look at it as like there's four points. There's like low effort high impact mm -hmm. um and then the opposite would be low impact high effort and then there's also two in the middle that you can kind of create but that might not be as useful for human design application but like high effort high impact low effort low impact those are not ones you're going to necessarily utilize mm -hmm. as much a lot of what happens in there is that when, because what you're talking about with uh, people who seem to rely on this kind of guilt, this kind of like, I need to push myself to do it or I'll never do it. I need to force myself to have that willpower or I'll never get it done. That actually I find is more of an undefined will center trait. So this is something now I think, Erica, you and I could probably talk on this from our own perspective of willpower. But for me, I have an undefined heart center. Um, and the things that I struggle with most in the willpower vein are feeling like I'm supposed to be able to accomplish the thing and feeling like if I could just accomplish it, then I would feel so much better. But the thing is, is that that undefined center doesn't create energy. So it's like you're throwing stuff into a bottomless pit. You're just constantly throwing all of this like and it's it's a never ending cycle of I'm never actually going to be good enough. I'm never actually going to be able to get enough done because it never actually ends. And I know this is something that <laughs> that you deal with with your clients as well, Erica. <laughs> I welcome my life. I see you. I live in that space. <laughs> yes, Erica also has an undefined will center. Undefined everything, basically. Erica's got a lot of open space in her chart. She's a beautiful person to be around, um, but it can be challenging to have so much open space. <laughs> For me, yes. I absorb everyone's energy. And so when I'm working with clients, it makes it both wonderful, like instinctual, because I could literally... Oh, I can absorb anyone's energy. So when you come into my space, I'm like ready to receive you. <laughs> However, I have to protect my energy because it can also burn me out. And so that's power of human design is like realizing how to self-care within your design. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So how do you manage your own self-care having an undefined will center? And, you know, what what do you do to keep yourself motivated and keep yourself going? Um, so for me, it's actually funny that I have an undefined willpower because I'm always identified as being very type A. Like I'll like always put in the work and do the things, but it comes from a place of shame. <laughs> um, when you've learned it as like uh, whether it's your conditioning as opposed to your design that's another whole topic of discussion like recognizing something that is conditioning versus how you're designed is two different things I've been conditioned I my both of my parents own a business so I've been conditioned to like watch what hard work is and how that's required to be successful and so in my mind that's the only way it's done so for me I find that very easy to show up 
Um, but I'll also find it very easy to burn myself out. So I set boundaries with myself. And one of the things that shocks people a lot as a fitness coach is I tell them I only work out three times a week. And people are like, what? And I'm like, yeah, I've only been working out for three times a week, like most of my fitness career. Once I learned how to stop burning myself out in the gym, the most I worked out was like four times a week. Um, that's one way that I manage that. And with my clients as well, it's all about, I love the phrase efficient and effective. Mm -hmm. I love that phrase. I like use it all the time. I stick to efficient and effective because that allows me to access my willpower in a way that is low effort, high impact and sets a boundary for myself so that I don't burn out based on my conditioning. So I can still see the results and success I want and hit all the markers and have willpower left, but set that boundary for myself. And I teach this to my clients too, because a lot of people are so shocked by the three time a week thing. Most of my clients do three times a week, unless they have like no time to work out and I'm giving them like really short workouts five times a week, like 15, 20 minutes. Most people do three times a week otherwise. And usually people are shocked, but what happens is they get better results when they stop trying to work out every day and start focusing on higher quality and high impact workouts three times a week where not high impact in jumping, high impact meaning effective. Just want to clarify that. Um, meaning that it's more effective, higher intensity, lifting heavy enough or having the right intensity, whatever that means for that particular client they get better results because they're maximizing on their willpower as well. They're maximizing on the, on the quality. And, and again, more is not better, better is better, right? So being able to maximize on those three workouts a week, especially when you're focusing on strength training specifically, is really a game changer. Most people are trying to do too much and um, getting a lower quality of, from their workouts. Even nutrition too. That's another area where I feel like that's, I focus more on trying to get clients to purposefully eat more. And especially if you struggle with overeating, if I teach a client to purposefully eat more, then it takes them a lot less energy to eat less over the course of the day because they're maximizing on their willpower. They're not like, <laughs> they're not constantly hungry and then developing a negative relationship with mm -hmm. their process because they're fighting mm -hmm. their own instincts. They're instead focusing on more on what they are eating and focusing on getting more nutrients and satiating their body and learning more skills that are, I'm going to say, I'm repeating myself so much, that are low effort, high impact. And those skills carry over and create less need for more and more and more willpower. Mm -hmm. Oh my God, yes. I do wanna say repetition is the mother of retention. So keep repeating yourself. More people yes. hear it, the more it's gonna stick. Don't worry about it. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> um, so the next thing that I wanted to mention was how you can utilize the energy you do create. <laughs> rather than focusing on the energy that you don't. So if you're someone who has an undefined heart or will center and you do not create that willpower, you are not a person who creates willpower, you can you can ground into the parts that you do create, the things that you do have the ability to do. So like for me, I have a defined emotional center. And a lot of times grounding into your authority is the best place to go. Um, so for anyone who's looking at their chart following along at home, your inner authority should be listed on the side of the chart. Um, if it's not, I'll briefly, if you have a defined emotional center then or a solar plexus, whatever it's called on your chart, you have an emotional authority. Uh, if you do not have a defined emotional center, then it will default to the next one. It'll either be sacral or splenic, um, then self or willpower center, um, or mental if you have everything open on the bottom and only have the top uh, centers defined. So if you look at your authority, which is the way that you are built to make decisions, 
This is the place where you are going to be able to pull the most power from. So for me, and half the population has defined emotional centers, it's less about what I feel like I'm supposed to be doing, how to accomplish things, and more about how I feel, how I feel right now. And I know Megan also has a defined emotional center. So even though you do have a defined uh, heart space, this may also apply to you. Um, But having that defined emotion, it's all about grounding into what's happening for you in the moment, in the present, and listening to what it is that feels good for you right now. So if you wake up one morning, Megan, and you feel like shit... What are you, are you going to go to the to the to the gym? <laughs> Probably not. The thing is, though, I have a lot of defined centers. I also have a defined sacral center. And sometimes when I don't know whether or not I should go to the gym, I'm like, should I go to the gym? Yes or no. And I and I can tell myself yes or no. Uh, so having an excessive amount of defined centers, I can go to a lot of different spaces and be like, is this right for me right now? Is this what I need to be doing right now? Or should I do it later? And is 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 that what my body is telling me? Is that what my centers are telling me? Is that what my uh, willpower is telling me, right? Maybe I'm drained from using my willpower on something else like work or uh, yard work. Oh my gosh, the amount of housework we've been doing lately. I have been exhausted, but it's also been giving me energy. Uh, so when I ask myself like, okay, I I feel like I can go to the gym even though I just did two hours of yard work. Should I go to the gym? And my body says yes, then it's like, okay, let's go. Let's go to the gym. Let's work out for a little bit. Um, and just knowing to listen to like all of the different parts that do speak to me because I do have so many defined centers that say something at any point, yeah. <laughs> at any point of any day, <laughs> someone saying something in my defined centers. Yeah, absolutely. And then Erica, coming from a, a different place, you have a sacral authority. So it's your sacral center that does a lot of your decision making. Um, but you have so much undefined space on top. So what is it like for you using your sacral center and using your even your root center, that ability to like that get up and go that drive to get yourself to do things? Is that something you do often? Yeah, I think um yeah, I think sometimes sacral center is great for helping me like using that authority is helpful to maximize on what is the best way to what is the best option to put my energy towards. Um, Because for me personally, I feel like there's a million things I can choose to do in a day and it's all up to me. Like I'm the boss. Um, and if I have extra time after calls, I have to decide where I'm feeling pulled to. And sometimes the sacral authority is like one of the best things I can do. And I forget to use it a lot. I'm like working on trying to remember to do it more often. Sometimes I'm like, do I want to like just create this piece of content that I just thought of? Usually that's where my sacral center will pull me towards because when I am finishing in a day of clients uh, or I cut up a call and I have a new idea and I'm like, oh my God, this was so like, I'm like fired up about this. I want to make a piece of content about it. Let's share it with the world. Like that's <laughs> how my energy gets during the day. But sometimes if I'm feeling really overwhelmed, my sacral authority will be like, I think we should go to the piano and just sing a little right now. Let's like just do some creative time. Let's, you know, like, dive in there. Let's or poll maybe. Like I have to kind of use my sacral authority sometimes to determine what it is that I actually need. Um and again, that's like learning how to determine what is what is conditioning and what is design. My conditioning will always tell me to work. Like do something that is like business oriented. Do something that is productive in the traditional sense of work, work, work. And if I listen to my sacral authority more, I can often give myself more of what I need so that I can keep putting out better work. Because if I don't listen to my sacral authority, then I start to burn out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, your sacral authority is giving you that self-care, is telling you and reminding you to take care of yourself. Oh, that's yeah, so important. So it's a really good example of that, like how you can use your authority as a strength. Mm-hmm. Mm. Absolutely. And sometimes in fitness, it can be like using your authority to help you decide 
you know, how to overcome certain obstacles that maybe you encounter. Maybe your sacral authority, let's say in my case, can help me decide if like I'm at a gathering where there's a lot of dessert and food and I'm feeling obligated because of my past experience to like eat all the dessert because it's Christmas or something. And then I feel like crap after. And it's like, I didn't actually want to do that. I felt obligated to, and I could have enjoyed some of it. So one thing that I teach my clients is learning how to like trust your instincts about like, what do I actually want to enjoy here? Like what will change my experience and what do I actually want? And then trust your instincts in choosing that. So for me, that works really well with my sacral authority. I can be like, do I actually want this? Do I want this cake? Mm -hmm. And I usually know the answer is no. And I'm just feeling obligated to eat it for appearances. And then it's like, what's the point? You know, Um, maybe I want a cookie instead. And then I'm very happy with my choice, you know? So like, yeah. That's so funny because I I definitely feel my will center telling me to eat more vegetables like all the time. Like my sacral center is like, I want cheese and I want ice cream and I want (laughs) I want candy. And my will center is like, no, you need to eat vegetables. You need to add some carrots to that meal. You need to start cooking yourself some broccoli. <laughs> so I, it's it's just funny to me that like it everybody's different, right? That's just oh, yeah. another example of why every human design and everybody's design is different. And it's just knowing like where to look for the instructions that your body is telling you to take care of yourself, how to take care of yourself, mm-hmm. what is best. Um, and like I said, with so many defined centers, it, my emotional center, my uh, sacral center, and my will center, all energy creators are fighting with each other regularly yeah. for me to take care of myself, but also not take care of myself, if that makes sense. <laughs> but isn't that balance? Yeah, yeah. Yes. And I wonder if a big part of this might have more to do with your undefined mind because an undefined mind is a place where we take in the ideas of other people. So maybe you were taught at a young age that you're supposed to eat vegetables and this and this and this and this. So rather than actually being able to hear your body tell you that you want the vegetables, it's like you have a a play a tape on repeat going over in your undefined mind of your mother saying you need to eat your broccoli you need to eat your broccoli you <laughs> yeah and yeah. how much of that is conditioning and how much of that is actually what you need you know and then are you fighting back is your sacral center telling you that you want ice cream and cheese and everything you having that moment of i need balance god damn it i have this <laughs> tape going on in my head telling me to eat vegetables when i want balance so it's curious it's, honestly it is curious. i feel like this is a really cool parallel between fitness and human design because I find so much that like, I have to talk about this with clients all the time about like, okay, so you wanted to have X, Y, and Z. It doesn't mean that you don't actually want those things, but it is a good skill to have awareness around maybe that sometimes you're not really hungry, you're actually thirsty. Mm. There is, but you've been conditioned to think that you just always want to, you want to eat because maybe there's a lot of other beliefs underneath there that have conditioned you, whatever your experiences are, that could condition you to have certain habits and respond to certain bodily uh, cues a certain way. You respond to your body's cues in a certain way based on your conditioning. You know, you get exhausted and cranky, so you think that you need a drink, when in reality, maybe you just needed to have a good meal. You know, like Mm, there's a lot of people who are responding to their bodily cues in a way that's counterproductive. So like understanding human design can help you respond more effectively. Understanding how to move your body better and fuel your body better will help you to respond to your body Mm -hmm. cues better. I know like, for example, I have clients who struggle with eating enough throughout the day. Busy moms, professionals, right? They'll get up and have a cup of coffee, run out the door and not eat any real food until like the night comes and nighttime comes and they, I call this the emergency state, right? I have create Mm -hmm. names for it so that clients can 
identify it and label it and then respond differently. Otherwise, if you don't identify it, you'll never change your response. And yeah. so awareness. If you look at it like that, right? So this person <laughs> in their emergency state, they can be like, how did I get into this emergency state? Ah, and then they can tomorrow I'm gonna get up and have this quick meal on the go instead of just a coffee. And then I'm going to have this for lunch. Now you've changed the trajectory of the day. And by the time evening comes, your ability to respond is like your ability to take care of yourself rather, not respond, to take care of yourself is heightened because it's much easier to have the energy and the thought process to listen to your body's cues and make a well-balanced meal and like function <laughs> as mm-hmm. a human if you've been fueling your body well and drinking enough water. But once you stop doing those things, then your ability to understand what you need is like, think of any day you've ever like really been like not taking care of yourself. And like, you don't even know what need, what needs to be addressed anymore. Right. Because you're like, I don't even know yeah. what I need. Do I need a nap? Do yeah. I need a Xanax? Do I need water? Like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Nobody just take, take control away from me. I don't know. What I need, Jesus, right? take the wheel. <laughs> Jesus, take the wheel. Like, exactly. And so literally wants to focus on like, I think it's really cool if you think about fitness and human design this way. It's like learning how to recognize what foundation do you need in your unique specific situation in life, which everyone is different. What unique foundation on a daily basis do you need to be able to properly listen to your needs? Like, let that sink in for a second. You know, I think this goes for self-care as a whole. Like for me, if I create an insane to-do list... And I put mm-hmm. pressure on myself to take over the world every day, then I don't leave any space for me to listen to my sacral center to go sing at the piano or to like mm-hmm. go like realize I haven't had lunch and I need to make yourself a shave, a shake. I can't even talk. That <laughs> I'm switching my words around. Um, so realizing that this is going to show up, not in fitness. And human design, the things that are going to come up that will help you to address whatever your focus is are going to trickle into the rest of your life. Most of the clients who do well within their fitness process of like finding balance and improving their relationship with food and exercise often find other areas of their life start to come together. And it's not foo-foo, like woo-woo, like, you know, I'm not, it's not like, Whatever. It's real. Or is it? <laughs> it is it's witchcraft. Is, is the witchcraft and the magic and the woo woo real? Yeah. <laughs> but it's energy. It's energy. It's yeah. energy. Yeah. And so when you put energy into your self care in all of the ways, mm-hmm. that energy comes back into the other areas of your life. It goes into your relationships. It goes into the energy that you can bring in being present with your work and with yourself and in your life. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think that's huge. And since I try to mainly work with performers, this is huge. And, like, it becomes a big focus because our work is our life, you know, when you're an artist creative. And so that connection becomes really important when you realize how prominent it is. Yeah. How do, so this is a question for both of you. How do you each individually assess uh, what somebody needs to help with their self-care? And what do you, how do you like tackle that conversation with them, right? Because not everybody is as super receptive to hearing you need to take get better care of yourself. Um, And, you know, I'm obviously people who are coming to each of you individually are have a certain amount of mindset of I need to take better care of myself, right? I'm going to a strength and nutrition coach. I'm going to a human design coach. I I need to get to know myself a little bit better and take care of myself. How do you assess what the issues are and work towards better uh, solutions with them? Um, I actually would, because this was coming up for me while you were talking before, Erica. So I'd, I'd love to jump in with this. Uh, for me, a lot of times it's about acknowledging how much 
how stimulated their nervous system is and explaining Mm. to them the science behind what that means. Because when you are in an activated nervous system state and when you are continually in fight or flight, which means at any point you are feeling stressed, if you're ever feeling, uh, if you feel that wave of emotion come in and take over, it's that moment when you have to dive in and eat as much as you can because you're starving. It's that moment that you, uh, you know, freeze up before you talk to someone because you don't know what you're supposed to be saying in front of somebody. All of those moments, and they happen for us constantly, are the nervous system being activated. And when our nervous system is activated, it's exactly what Erica was just talking about. We can't take care of ourselves. Our, literally, when we produce adrenaline, when we release adrenaline into the system and go into that fight or flight response, our immune system turns off. Our rest and digest peripheral nervous system, the part of our nervous system that allows us to digest our food, to repair our bodies while we're sleeping, to uh, fight off disease, literally turns off because all of our energy needs to go toward running from the tiger, which in this case is probably needing to talk to somebody who you don't know or needing to uh, stop yourself from eating something you don't think you're supposed to eat or uh, having a big emotional response and not wanting to be seen as weak and not wanting to cry. Mm. Or feeling like you need to be on a super restrictive diet or be working out super crazy hard every day is a really great example mm-hmm. of what I see. In Absolutely. Anything that allows you to beat yourself up, any moment that you take that that position of I'm not good enough because you're putting yourself in fight or flight. And so the thing that I focus on most with my clients is what I call radical self-acceptance. And what that is, is to find exactly what it means to be you and to accept yourself totally and fully and completely, regardless of what comes up. Because even if you have a moment where you, uh, what was it that you just said, Erica, that was so relatable? About the fact that with restrictive diets and like boot camp, yes. intense workout, people so like, think those standards they need to meet brings on yes. so much stress, which ends up sabotaging their results. Mm. Yes. So when you have that moment where that restrictive diet comes up for you and you're like, oh my God, I don't want to do this, but I have to, you're allowed to take that second and acknowledge, wait, if I don't want to do this, then maybe I have a point. <laughs> maybe I have, I know what I need. Maybe I can actually trust myself to know what my body needs. And as soon as my clients start to listen to their body and listen to their intuition and listen to the things that they want to do over the things they think they're supposed to, that's when we really start seeing change. And that's when I can really start to dive in. Because you're absolutely right, Megan. So often when we try to dive in with, you need to take care of yourself, it doesn't hit. And it's not because people aren't receptive. It's not because the people who come to me don't want to heal. It's because when someone says, you need to go meditate, it's them feeling guilty for having not done it already. So we need to get past that before we can get to the, okay, well, maybe you try doing a meditation when it feels good. Yeah, like saying you need to go meditate sounds more like a demand rather than a, a you know a friendly advice, right? Like, mm-hmm. ask usually when when I talk to people about you know how to take care of themselves. Not that I do that often. I'm asking, hey, have you tried this yet, or have you tried this yet? And it's not me you know, saying you need to do this. It's me asking genuinely, because I don't know what they've been doing. Like, hey, how how are you taking care of yourself currently? Um, what do you do for yourself? Is that helping? Because that's a better way of communicating with people than just you need to go do this. If, you know, I'm, I'm very rebellious. So if somebody says, hey, you need to go meditate more, I'm going to be like, no. <laughs> no, thank you. No, I don't want to. <laughs> Done. Yeah. Yeah. So I think if we ground into that inner authority, we ground into the inner knowing, to that trust and learning to trust that you know what you need. That's actually my favorite thing to say to clients. I put it at the end of almost every email. You know what you need. (laughs) (laughs) Because I I love, I just want to drive that home. You already know. You don't need me. I'm here to guide you, but you know what you need. 
you can trust yourself. Yeah, I love that. I think so. I am very similar in the approach as you, but in a different way and how it applies to fitness. So first thing I do with any client ever is I always meet the client where they are at. Because if you do not do that, then it's all going to go downhill. That's like Mm -hmm. one of the biggest pieces of advice to any other coach or trainer in the fitness space or wellness space. And in fitness and and nutrition with strength and nutrition and all the components that I help clients with, the main factor, the main driving factor is going to be adaptation, right? So if a client wants to lose weight, it's not necessarily that they need to eat X amount of calories. It's really that they need to generally, most most people, depending on the situation, generally speaking, is they need to eat less than what they're eating now, right? So if I try to force someone to fit themselves into a particular box that isn't meeting them where they're at, then all the stuff that Kayla was just talking about is what happens. So I tend to ask clients, all right, like I get to know them. I take the time to see where they're at. And then I also allow and allow some room to explore things that are coming up and identify them and point them out to them that they're actually things they think they need to do, preconceived notions they have around workouts and diet and the scale of the client I was talking about earlier who weighs herself three times a day. This was our first coaching call since we started working together. And we when she brought it up, I said, you know, you're going to make the choice of what you decide to do, but I want to talk about some things that are very common. And one of them was the fact that when you weigh yourself that often, you don't realize the sabotaging behaviors that are coming as an emotional response to trying to use the scale to motivate yourself. And so when the scale fluctuates, a lot of times, it's a very common thing, someone will see the scale go up and you're trying to use the scale to motivate you. But what ends up happening is the scale went up and then you have a what's the point moment, I like to call it, where it's like, I'm doing all this work. I thought I was doing everything right. I'm working so hard and it's doing nothing. What's the point? And then you go raid the candy cabinet, right? So, or whatever food is your trigger. And so I explained this to her and she was like, oh my God, you're so right. And so like, <laughs> all the time, it's meet you where you're at, but also have some room and space to just listen and see what comes up for the client. Because a lot of times, most clients, 90% plus at least, have some of these behaviors and conceived notions about diet and exercise that are actually shooting them in the foot as opposed to helping them. But they are attached to it. They're clinging to it because they were conditioned to believe that at some point down the line, which is just how fitness is with diet culture, unfortunately. Um, So those are the two pieces I feel like for me is how I do that, is meet them where they're at and then help them to see more clearly some of their sabotaging behaviors and habits so that they can logically understand them better, identify them before they happen, and then shift that behavior so they can see the positive correlation to letting that go, which allows them to change that behavior long term. Yeah. And that's why I stopped going and weighing myself. (laughs) I just couldn't do it. Your willpower. Yeah. Yes. That is the benefit of my willpower. It's like, oh, weighing myself doesn't feel good. I'm not doing that anymore. (laughs) I waste a lot of other emotional energy that you're spending Mm -hmm. trying to find validation and satisfaction or instant gratification, actually. Because in your fitness process, you don't find as much instant gratification if you only focus on the end goal or certain metrics. So you have to find that instant gratification in the small wins every day and find positive correlation. Like I'm not starving all the time. And when you step on that scale and you see that number went up, that's immediate nervous system activation. That is immediate Mm. fight or flight response. You're flushing your whole body with adrenaline and are suddenly no longer able to hear your intuition. And that's why you're in a space where the trigger comes in (laughs) because you don't have control anymore. Yeah. And it, it's your ability to maybe, maybe if you hadn't made yourself, how would the day have gone differently? Or, or if you learned how to identify that thought process and shift it, 
then we can work yeah. with that too. Because the other thing that can be done with the scale, just to clarify, is there's no right or wrong. I actually think scale exposure is not a bad thing for people who struggle with it. There's a number of ways we can address it. We can either say, okay, let's step away from using the scale. We won't use the scale at all. Just use other measurements, higher close fit, circumference measurements. There are many ways you can do that. Or we can go the opposite direction and say, let's weigh you every day. And I want you to practice detaching from the number. I want you to write every, the number down every day. And then we're going to look, we're going to put it into a chart and you're going to see the science behind how fat loss isn't linear and that the chart goes down. But when it goes down, it does this, it goes up and down really rapidly, even if it is going downward in trend. Mm. So there are many ways in which you can like address that on my end, at least. Hell yeah. Um, yeah. And sometimes it is facing your demon and learning how to yeah. like the only way out is through kind of thing. And yeah. sometimes yeah. it's yeah. not addressing. It depends on the secret. Yeah. It's always so cool to me talking to other professionals who are dealing with mindset work because I always find that we're all essentially doing the same thing. We're just doing it in a different way. And everybody needs things done in a different way in order to be able to understand them. So it's so important for there to be thousands of different ways to do things because there are thousands of different ways to absorb things as well. So like exactly what you're saying, like if we if I were to have that conversation with a client, for instance, if my client has a defined emotional center, then I know that they have to process those emotions. I know that they can't just ignore it. If they just pretend that the scale doesn't exist, then they're not going to be processing the emotion that is attached to the scale. So if I give them the space to say, okay, well, where did the scale come from for you? Who told you to weigh yourself? Where does this come from? Start at the beginning and then figure out what the emotion is that needs to be worked through. Yes. Then we're getting somewhere. But there still needs to be that bit of immersion, that bit of awareness, that bit of, hey, do you see how the thing you're doing over here is not helping you? And like, it's exactly yeah. the same. That's exactly what yeah. it is. And like when we talked about it today, I had to say, okay, how has that worked out for you in the past? Why is it mm -hmm. something that you enjoy? Where did you learn that? Where is it coming from? And then when I was like, right, well, let me just explain some science to you. And I explained like all the reasons yep. the scale could go up that have nothing to do with gaining fat. And how mm -hmm. in the past she may have had reactions to that when in reality she may have been perfectly on track. Yeah. And yeah. situations in which using the scale going up as motivation to eat less actually can shoot you in the foot. So like if yeah. you're strength training and you had lifted heavy the day before, your muscles can hold on to water and your scale can go up. But that's just because you had a hard workout the day before. Um, that doesn't mean that you gained fat. So if you're doing all the right things, sometimes the scale will still go up and that doesn't, it's not a reflection on you gaining fat necessarily. And I said, so if you do that and you eat less the next day, how do you think that's going to turn out over the next couple of days? She's like, yeah, not good. Cause then I'll be starving. And then I end up putting on more weight because I'm trying to eat less when the scale goes up, but then I'm working out more. And then I just stop working out and just focus on nutrition. I'm okay. But then you're basically just starving yourself, right? And then you can't sustain results that way either. And she was like, yeah, you're totally right. So we were able to get to the <laughs> yeah. bottom of something that's like kind of a big deal that this person has been struggling with her entire life. Yeah, right? Yeah. And it's just about getting to the core of what was actually going on. And like, yeah, uh, I just I love that because I feel like so often we get kind of caught up in like the way it's supposed to be. <laughs> and like, it's it's funny, because just hearing you talk about the concept of nutrition being separate from fitness, like the idea that she was saying, oh, well, I'll just focus on nutrition. And it's like the idea that the idea of focusing on nutrition could be I'm just going to eat less and less and less and less less and less. That's not nutrition. The whole point of nutrition is to nourish your body. <laughs> so if you have this skewed concept of what nutrition means, yeah. then how can you help yourself? And it's like, 
it's such a great combination of identifying the triggers and having the knowledge. And I think that's why it's so important to work with a coach like myself or like Erica, who can actually help you to understand what's going on so that not only do we figure out what's underneath, but you have the awareness of how you are affecting yourself on a daily basis. Yeah. It's almost like everything is connected. A hundred percent. A lot of us, like I've said many times already, like so many of us have so many harmful ideals that we are clinging to, like white knuckling because we're afraid of letting ourselves go or we're afraid of not fitting into an image or are afraid of what's going to happen if we don't. Mm. Yeah. Like, I mean, this can also be related to like artists and creatives, being afraid to make a bold choice in a song, being afraid to sing something and maybe not do it in a particular style and do your own style because you're afraid not to fit into that box. But doing that might be what sets you apart and makes people be like, ooh, like I like your version, right? Yeah. And, and the magic lies in allowing yourself and giving yourself full permission. What was the word that you used before? Unconditional. um, Radical self-acceptance. Oh, radical acceptance. Giving yourself (laughs) radical acceptance. Yep. Yep. With the choices that you get to make for yourself Mm -hmm. around your self-care, whether it's fitness or managing your nutrition or whatever. Um, yeah. And it's very like liberating to be able to let go yeah. of old ideals. Yeah, it's mm. super empowering. Yeah, I definitely think that, especially in today's world, and on the one hand, I think it's amazing that like millennials, we are known as the self-care generation. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think it's great that we've moved into a space where most of us are in therapy, um, where we are all under the impression that it's a good idea for us to be in therapy. Uh, but I think that along with that come more shoulds. Mm. more, well, you should be meditating. Well, you should be talking to a therapist. Well, you should be in couples therapy. So these things come even with good intention. And it's all a matter of fielding the stuff coming at you and figuring out what's important for you. And that's entirely about you and your energy and your life. It's super individual. There's always going to be somebody who has an opinion about how you should be taking care of yourself, right? I mean, Erica, you see it all the time. And you you talk about how on, on your Instagram, you talk about other trainers and how they uh, misconstrue people's needs for fitness, depending on who you are. Like, it's such an individualized thing at taking care of yourself. How I take care of myself is different from how Erica takes care of herself and how Kayla takes care of yourself. It's like going back to that just human instinct of listening to who, what you need and who you are and where to go from there. Um, and there are all different things that you can do to take better care of yourself and learn who you are a little bit more, like going to a professional coach, uh, going to a strength and nutrition, going to a human design coach, because they can help you, you know, at least address some preconceived notions that you've had. But it's so important to just listen to you, um, to hear you when you say, I need I need something, whatever it might be. I think as a society, just with the technology age and where we're at right now in the world, maybe also because of just all the crazy crap that goes is going on in the world. <laughs> yeah. Just exhausted. And everybody just wants someone to tell them what to do. Just tell me what to do and I'll do it. So I want the results so badly. I don't have the energy <laughs> to deal with it. And so like this often gets us caught in people trying to oversimplify things to the masses, which is such a big problem in fitness, like Mm. such a big problem, which is why I spend so much of my coaching time with clients putting out the fires that other people have put on them. Like other people have lit fires in the people I see, figuratively speaking, (laughs) not literally, (laughs) figuratively speaking, (laughs) about like, you know, oh, well, carbs are bad. And then I have to uh, like teach them how to incorporate healthy carbs, carbs in a healthy way, and how to make them understand where carbs can hold them back to their goals if, you know, done in a certain way and how to make it an asset and not an obstacle. Mm -hmm. And I think that goes with like 
meditation and self-care, like some of the spiritual self-care. Like when I first started my business, I worked with a business coach. And one of the things that business coach said that was wonderful and at the time it did very much help me was I never start my day without meditating. Like these absolutes that make us feel like we should feel guilty if we don't do them. When in reality, self-care mm-hmm. is not really meant to be like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I guess you shouldn't start your day without brushing your teeth. But you don't think there are going to be days when maybe something would be more beneficial than meditating for you. Or maybe it would be, I mean, everyone's different. You know, like it could. Yeah. And even things like maybe you should brush your teeth. That's something that like the amount of times that I forget to brush my teeth in the morning and then halfway through the day, (laughs) I'm like, oh, God, my teeth feel like shit. And I'm like, Jesus. And and then I feel guilty. And so this societal concept of we're supposed to brush our teeth in the morning is something that has the propensity to make me feel guilty about myself. Why? Which, <laughs> you know, like, in your relationship with that process, too, because there's yeah. associated with it instead of you just like doing it because you're intrinsically motivated because it feels good to brush your teeth. Right. It feels good. It's mm-hmm. like, yeah. So when we look at it, like, you know, there were days when I started resenting meditating. Because mm-hmm. I just felt obligated to do it. And then it didn't have the same effect that I wanted it to have. I wasn't open to it anymore. I was just like overwhelmed by the list of tasks I had to do before I could start my day. And then I would get anxious. And James would be like, wait, isn't the meditating supposed to be like helping you with this? And I'm like, ah, I just can to just meditate. Like, <laughs> uh, that's not how that's supposed to be done, right? That's but not I'd helping. Be- Yeah, like when I was being told by somebody who was my coach, and they were a wonderful coach, Mm -hmm. it was a group program, so it was more of a general recommendation of like, oh, well, this is what I would recommend to do. I needed to step back and say, is this working? I needed to use my sacral center to for my design to be able to be like, do I feel like meditating? Will meditating be good for me? Do I want to meditate? That yes or no question. Um, And the answer started to be no a lot. And- Mm -hmm you know, that's important. Yeah. And I, one of the things I love to do with my clients is to have them write a self-care exploration list so that they kind of begin to like get to choose what kind of things they might want to do today. So especially if you have a defined sacral center, if you just kind of make a list of like, take a bath, go for a walk, uh, meditate, do a certain kind of meditation, make myself a meal, uh, take a nap, like all of these different ideas, then you can go one one by one and ask your sacral center, do I want to take a nap right now? Listen for that gut response. Do not underestimate the power of a good nap. Let me tell you. (laughs) Anyway, uh, we are out of time. So thank you so much, Erica, for joining us today. And uh, where can people find you if they want to get in touch with you and work with you in the future? You can find me on Instagram at Erica Villani and TikTok at Erica Villani Fit. And Erica Villani is spelled E-R-I-C-A-V as in Victor, I-L-L-A-N as in Nancy, I. And you can also find my website, ericavillani.com. Yay! Well, thank you so, so much. And I hope we can have you back again really soon um, to talk more about this. Yes, thank you, Erica. This was amazing. If you like what you heard on this podcast, follow us on Instagram at Human Design in Real Time to keep up with our next episodes. And if you want to learn more about your own human design, I'd love to help you on your journey. You can head to my website, kayla-care.com to book an introductory human design session where we'll dive into the person you were born to be. That's K-A-Y-L-A-C-A-R-E.com. We're always looking for awesome humans to be guests on the podcast. So if you'd like to be interviewed, send us an email at humandesigninrealtime at gmail.com. This podcast is brought to you by Kayla Care. A big thank you to our amazing producer, sound mixer, designer, and editor, Sabrina Mason. Thank you to the composers of our theme song, Niall Spaulding and Sabrina Mason. Thank you to today's guests for being open and present with us. And thanks to you, our listeners, for supporting this podcast. Keep discovering your 
Human Human design design in real time.